0: Hello and welcome to the Booktopia podcast. I'm Olivia. I'm sitting here with Sarah McDooling, our kids and YA category manager. Hi, Sarah. Hi. And our guests today are the authors of the amazing Aurora Cycle series, uh, YA sci-fi series that we all love here. Um, the first book was Aurora Rising and the latest book is Aurora Burning. And its authors are, its authors are of course, the wonderful Amy Kaufman and Jay Kristoff. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having hey. me back.
1: Thanks for having us back. It's always great to be here.
0: I'm so excited to talk to you guys about this. Yeah, we've been messaging back and forth about this book for a couple of weeks now. Uh, Sarah, you read it a little bit before me.
2: Um, <laughs> I'm still I'm still recovering.
0: Yeah, I am no. <laughs> uh, no, that's, yeah.
1: that's good, right? Good recovery, not <laughs> this was so awful it oh. robbed me of sight and speech.
2: Recovery. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna say that I'm like totally happy to be left on that cliffhanger, but I do, <laughs> <laughs> but I do actually, yes, love the book, and it's a good, uh, good. It's a good recovery. great, yeah. comfortable with... conversation. <laughs> otherwise, yeah.
0: just I think that <laughs> cliffhanger of redefines the whole meaning of cliffhangers.
2: Oh man, I mean, we'll we'll <laughs> get to that. <laughs> yeah, we that's, will. I but feel sure. like that's that's a, that's a conversation. Um, yeah. That we will get to. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about the beginning of the book before we start talking about the (laughs) end.
0: Yeah, can you guys give us like a little rundown of the series as a whole and uh, a little bit about Aurora Burning?
3: Sure. Uh, So I guess the way we like to describe uh, Aurora Rising is uh, depending on, I guess, your age category and your level of nerdery. It's either Six Crows Meets Guardians of the Galaxy or it's The Breakfast Club Go to Starfleet Academy. (laughs) It's a a book about a a band of misfits from an interstellar military school who are tasked with saving the universe. And the tagline for the series is, they're not the heroes we wanted, they're just the ones we could find.
2: (laughs) I love that you guys always come up with such good taglines for your stories. Um, (laughs) Is it hard getting them, or do they sort of come easily?
1: I think I someone sh- at the publisher came up with that one, right?
3: Well, we think- we kept doing slightly—is wieldy a word? Like slightly less wieldy versions of it. Like they're not the heroes we deserve. They're just the only ones we could get and stuff like that. And so it was someone yeah. at our UK publisher finally was yeah. like, "I can make that. Allow me to make that shorter and more pithy for you, kids."
0: Yeah. <laughs> so
3: we're quoting it in just-
1: since. As, as a total aside, already we're like five minutes in the conversation, I'm already derailing it. Have you guys seen The Breakfast Club recently, the movie?
2: Oh, no. my gosh, yes. And it is a problematic rewatch. Oh I no. watched it
1: a week ago.
2: <laughs> it is so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, There's has so been.
1: much happening in that film that it just makes you cringe now. And when you were like 13, I loved that film, but... Now, God, yeah, it has not aged well.
2: No, it makes you want to go in, because you can't, I have the nostalgic love for it, but you just want to go in with a red pen and be like, get rid of that part, change this dialogue. Um, Yeah, (laughs) like
1: just delete the constant sexual harassment throughout the entire film, which would probably cut about 20 minutes of the runtime out of it. Like,
2: Mm. yeah. It It makes me think we should have a re, uh, they should redo it. They really should. Um, I'm not, like, always pro-remakes, but I think mm. I could stand to have a remake. Yeah, it's a cool concept, but,
1: yeah, it is it has not stood the test of time, sadly.
2: Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I like I the know, Aurora that Cycle, that
1: which... Yeah. That's <laughs> a good segue, <laughs> no, segue. Bring us back on track, yeah.
3: No, but, I mean, I think it's relevant, because I think, like, because the Aurora Cycle is a series that speaks to so many influences that we have, but... I know when I'm being influenced by, you know, usually it's by a book, but, you know, or by sometimes by a movie or a TV series, it's often better not to actually go back and rewatch it because then I'll see what it is. And what I'm actually being influenced by is how it made me feel. And mm. if I see it again, I'm not going to feel the same way because I'm not the same person anymore. And in some cases, I'm going to look at it and realise how problematic it is. Or I just might think it's not as good. It might not you know, maybe the CGI is not as good anymore and it doesn't transport me the way it used to. So I tend not to actually go back. I tend, maybe I will after I'm done doing the thing that it influenced, but I tend to sort of, you know, just try and focus on how it made me feel,
2: even if that's not really what it is. That's so interesting because I often wonder how it is that you guys just manage to, like, have these amazing mashups of things, like... You you write these books and um, when the publishers are telling us about them, they're always like it's this meets this with a hint of this, and like it's always drawn from such great inspiration, but turns out being something so different. And maybe there's something to that idea that you're not, you know, you're drawing on a memory of how how these things, like the spirit of them, but not the actual you no know, element right. of, really,
3: yeah. Well, I mean, when Maybe. you recommend something to someone, you you rarely do it by telling them what it's about. You tend to say things like, oh, it made me want to sleep with the lights on or, you know, <laughs> I laughed so hard I couldn't breathe or, you know, you talk about how it made you feel.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's very true. Yeah. I I don't I mean it's it's the sort of thing where if you pick it apart too much it's like picking apart a magic trick. All I know is is that it works really well and I want you guys to keep doing it always. <laughs> <laughs> Good news. <laughs> so, have we even um, got
0: to ha- what Aurora Burning is about yet, or have we just gotten massively sidetracked?
1: No, and it's all my fault. Yeah, I, I, I dragged us of. down. Um, yeah, so Aurora Burning it's hard to talk about because it's a second book and some people hmm. might not read the first one, but. It is essentially, it's the Empire Strikes Back of the series, I guess. It's the point where everything gets turned on its head and everything that can possibly go wrong does go wrong. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dark secrets are revealed for most of the characters. um, And we learn a lot more about what Aurora is supposed to do, uh, the enemy that they're facing and the consequences if they fail. But yeah, it's, it's the Empire Strikes Back of the series, so... It's the dark before the dawn.
0: That's such a good analogy because yeah, I was thinking earlier today when I was thinking about, like, what are we going to talk about with Jane Amy? And I was thinking about, like, there's that dreaded second book in the trilogy slump that everyone wants to avoid and no one wants to read. But you guys just massively cleared that hurdle. This book really just ramps up everything oh, that we you. loved about the first book and, like, supercharged it. And we really got to know the characters in a really good way. Like, um, yeah,
2: okay. like a lot of, I mean, we've got Cal on the cover, and beautiful Cal. I um beautiful Cal. <laughs> you could argue that there's a little, a bit of a focus on him in this book, but when, when, it, when I really think about it, it's like every character gets so much space and um, attention. Like everyone has a great book. The whole, mm. the whole squad. We do. I feel like learn a lot more about. Xyla. And I yeah. want to ask you, am mm-hmm. I saying it correctly or is it Zila? We say Zyla. Yeah, Zila? you can say anything you want, though. You it's it your book. You yep, <laughs> you're I've been saying Xyla, but I just didn't know if that was correct. I've been was. saying Zyla, I love yeah. <laughs> Oh, She has a great... be so
0: emotional in this.
2: They all did. Tyler. Yeah. Tyler had... Oh, Tyler's my favourite Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a rough trot.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of weird
1: because people people tend to talk about the second book slump but I don't know about you, Ames, I tend to have more fun writing second books because
3: you've you've established
1: the the setting and you've established who the characters are. You've kind of constructed the paradigm around which the story is built. And the second book is the book where you get to smash all that to pieces and subvert expectations. You find out that Things aren't the way the characters thought that they were, or the person that you trusted you shouldn't have trusted all along. Like this, the second book is where you get to do all the fun twisty stuff and to break things. So, I think, I think, yeah, I I like Aurora Burning as a book better than Rising because of that. I I like Gemini better than Illuminate for the same reason, because you kind of you know what you know the world that you built, you know the characters in it, and you get to mess with those expectations.
3: It's yeah, just a and now more room you've,
1: you've,
3: you've built the playground in book one, and yeah. everyone understands how it works and what you've got there, and so you, now you can just play. And then book three, you don't need it after this, so you can just blow it up if you want.
2: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> don't say that. Oh
0: my God, <laughs> I feel like there were enough things blowing up in the second book. I my can't fragile up again. again.
3: Well, I mean, the thing is, I think that that is actually you actually put your finger on part of what does make a second a good second book is that you do blow things up, that you don't save things. You don't have a good idea and save it for book three. You, If you have a good idea, you put it in and trust that you will come up with an even bigger idea for book three. I think sometimes, yeah. you know, you hear you hear authors talking about how, oh, I've got this amazing thing planned for book two or book three. And you think, oh, but people have to read that far. And, yeah. you know, one, one good way to make sure they do that is to give them everything you can, the best stuff you can think of is when you think of it.
2: Yeah, everything you're describing to me is, like, a great second book in a trilogy. It's just that you don't always get that. Like, Mm. um, I feel like when people talk about the second book, they're just talking about the fact that it often doesn't, it just doesn't do what you're describing at all. Yeah, the the
1: creator might be saving something in the tank for book three that maybe they should use in book two.
2: Whereas you guys upper. pulled all the socks. Yep.
0: Well, I mean, you say that, but you haven't seen what's going in book three. Oh, no, don't say that. I mean, do say that, but <laughs> don't say that until book three is uh, reliably within sight. <laughs> it's feeling like yeah. a long wait until book three now,
2: even though it's probably yeah. only a year. We're,
1: st- we're still writing it's- it, but yeah, oh, it, yeah. It, it, it'll be out next year.
2: Oh, amazing. I like honestly just, have a full body tense every time I think about that final. Yeah. Like, this is where I'm going to be really careful to be spoiler free. So I'm just going to talk about feelings and stuff, not about <laughs> actual events happening. But it's a beautifully written crescendo that just mm. really, you want to scream. <laughs> like, you just want to scream when you get to the end of it. I think I did, maybe. Um, Good? Mm. Good. Oh, my gosh. If, it was if, so cool. if, you, if you threw the
1: book at the end, then you have. We have passed the test, I guess.
2: Yeah. I did throw uh, the book at the end, I
3: was
0: like, What? I mean, what's funny there. is
3: that the, the final chapter is about fifteen hundred words and mm. the several versions before that were all several thousand words long. Oh. And it turned and, and but, but none of them were right. And then suddenly it was like, Oh, hang on a minute, <laughs> it just needs to be tiny.
1: Yeah, that last mm. chapter was probably it probably took us the most amount of time to get that right. And yeah, it was a matter of kind of stripping it back to just bare essentials. We didn't. We, we were trying to figure out who the POV was going to be and how we were going to construct it. And then, yeah, we we figured out in the end that less was more.
2: Oh, it's really, it's very powerful. It's a very mm. powerful ending, and I, I I love you guys for doing it. But also, it's very painful as a reader. <laughs> it's really, it really, it does unleash a lot of like, what the hell have you done to me? Feeling.
1: Um, <laughs> we want you to buy book three, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, you do. You want your readers to survive, though, and to make it to book three. It's oh, tough,
1: <laughs> just barely.
2: <laughs> I feel like I know the answer to this question, and we've sort of covered it a little bit. But um, I don't, and and you'll have to tell me if this is too spoilery. And Nick, who edits our podcast, be on standby in case this is too spoilery of a thing to say. But I don't think it is. Um, so <laughs> in this book, we have the squad kind of splintered off into um, like they're not all together for the for a lot of the book. Is that okay to say that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's kind of a, a sundering of the fellowship moment, I guess.
2: Yeah, and I feel like you guys probably did that gleefully, but I just didn't want to. <laughs> um question when you've written this first book that so much hinges on how great these people are bouncing off each other on the page altogether as a group um was it scary or challenging at all to break them apart or was it just fun
1: it's probably it's probably a little bit of both but like yeah. you're saying we wanted everybody to have a hero moment in this book we wanted every character to have a moment where they're shown or an idea that they came up with that saved the day the best way to do that is to compartmentalize the group because when you you know when you remove character x who usually does job x job x still needs to be done so someone needs to step up to the plate someone needs to do something they haven't done before or think in a way they haven't thought before so it allows more opportunity for heroism and dynamism within the group when you kind of build an expectation and then smash it apart and watch these characters scramble to get by. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's a little more dynamic in terms of the storytelling.
0: Yeah, so and fun. yeah, sorry, go on.
1: No, no, that was it. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> well, what I was going to say about what I liked about the splintering is that you actually learn a lot more about the relationships between characters that are separated. Like, I learnt so much and got so much out of um, Scarlett and Tyler's relationship. Like, you just see just how much they mean to each other and just how close they are. And then when they can't be there at the other's right hand, like as the other's right hand, or, you know, it's, you learn a lot more about them, or what they're capable of. But also just, I don't know, they, I just had so many feelings about Tyler and Scarlett in this book.
2: I'm with you, Liv. And the thing I love about that, and again, I'm sorry if this is a spoilery thing, because it leads me to talk about a new character. <laughs> no, we, can about, we can talk about yeah. we talk
1: about her. We've spoiled her on Instagram, so her yeah, name. like the yes. portrait is
2: yeah.
0: up. Yeah. What yeah. I love
2: so much about the amazing new character, who again I'm gonna I'm gonna check pronunciation with you, but I was calling her Sadie. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Sadie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I love how much the um relationship, the fractured sibling relationship with Cal and Sadie, is mirrored by the close bond uh between Tyler and Scarlett. Like I love that it mm-hmm. um it really played on my heartstrings yeah and I just love it. Yeah. 80, like god story. she was fun <laughs> 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 so
0: much fun give me an evil possibly redeem- redeemable anti-hero any day yeah. yeah she
1: was she was fun to write but yeah that, that was kind of the point um and that's part mm-hmm. of the I guess the angst that Cal is feeling in the early stages of the book when he sees how Tyler and scar like, they, they give each other a, a, f- a friendly dose of sibling ribbing but you know they they genuinely love each other um, mm-hmm. and Cal and his sister's relationship is is the exact opposite of that so um, yeah it, it is it is one of the many sources of angst for poor Cal in this book he has a, he has a pretty <laughs> rough run I think everyone has a rough run but he might have it worse than anybody else yeah I feel I, like maybe, yeah. Though. <laughs> I mean, with, with
3: Cal, it's just that the hits keep coming.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's
3: not you know one or two hits of great magnitude. It is it is death by a thousand cuts, and some of them are actually giant gaping
1: wounds.
2: Oh, Cal, <laughs> he really earned his face on the front of this. Book. He earned yeah. his
1: cover, poor
2: <laughs> oh, boy. And
1: the Beautiful background years. is on fire, so <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's not a mistake.
2: Oh man, <laughs> I think that. Even though there's so much, um, I laughed so many times during this book, and it does have your guys' trademark like fun humor and witty dialogue. I overall I felt that this book was a little bit darker um, mm. than the previous one, and I just was that intentional. I, they're all they're all still grieving um, because of events in book one. Um,
3: yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think you can't just. I don't know I think uh, I find it frustrating when either in in a book or a movie you know terrible things happen and everyone has a moment and then just kind of gets on with it I'm like well Mm -hmm. that's I mean a lot of things do happen in fiction that wouldn't happen in real life but for me that's not one that I can buy so I think I mean for that reason alone it has to be darker but also you know as Jay was saying it's sort of this book is the dark moment. This this is the sundering of the fellowship. This is the moment when they learn just how high the stakes are and just how long their odds of success actually are. So, yeah, you know they mm-hmm. they manage to stick together and and you know keep I was gonna say keep their chins up. It's probably an exaggeration, but you know they manage to make jokes, but Basically,
2: mostly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: but you know, I mean, yeah, like. Things are dark. Things are real. So to some extent, they're going to respond to that. Sorry
1: Sorry. for um, (laughs) Tyler and Scarlet. Like they've they've probably suffered the deepest wound, I guess, at the start of this book. Mm. Um, So usually, you know, in the first book, Scarlet was kind of the caregiver. Um, She was the person who made sure everyone was okay. But because she is grieving more than other people, uh, Finian kind of steps up into that role. So we see him. A, a side of him that we haven't seen before. Usually he's the sarcastic, snarky one who's the first person to put in a cutting remark. But in this book, he gets to step up and show that he's actually a nice guy under all that prickly armour that he's built around himself. So again, it's a matter of throwing out the, the structure that we built in book one and seeing who can step into the roles that are left absent.
0: And the I fact that Finian did that well. while he was like, literally, his armour was literally falling apart and he was barely making it from destination a to b like yeah yeah that showed incredible strength in him that i really loved reading Um, he's a good egg yeah (laughs) he's such
3: a good egg and uh, i think you know it also like that was a really great opportunity to reveal more about the alien cultures that we built because you know he's he's not a human he's a betraskan and betraskans have very complex family networks and are very interdependent with their families and he's one who because of his disability, was sent to live off-planet where he could be in a zero-gravity atmosphere and, and his life would be, in theory, easier. But that plan never really accounted for the fact that he had been separated from his family. And having now found a new family and having found, you know, a clan to bond with in in his squad, you know, he's, he's not going to give up on his second family easily.
2: Oh, the thing that kills me is that all of that is... He's so true, and he, and yet he also carries so much of the um, humor in this book. Mm. <laughs> like how I, it kind of leaves me a little bit in awe that you can have people going through the ringer so much and doing so much, like complex character work in terms of giving everyone their moment, like their their growth and their heroic moment, which 100 percent happens in this book, and still have. I think I, I think him and Scarlett probably have the carry the most of the lull moments yeah
3: Yeah. the thing is that's that's what we all do though I mean we're recording this you know from our homes in the middle of a pandemic when things are dark in so many ways and yet humans are also making memes and coming up with new jokes and you know it's it's something that we do to cope even when things are really dark it's you know we're all doing it so Finn's doing it too. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, that brings me to a, a question that I did want to touch on, which is that it's a it, it is a strange time to be releasing a book, and um, like what has it been like for you guys? Because everything has to be different this time around um, with your tours and publicity and everything. Has it been? What's that been like?
1: Um, I mean, it, it's it's different, but it's still good. Um, yeah, you know early reader response has been amazing to the book. Um, we have to, we have to tour in a virtual sense rather than a physical sense. Mm. Um, and so that is a little bit weird, but you know, you're essentially having the same conversation that you would have if you were talking live, you're just doing it in a computer in your living room rather than, you know, in Los Angeles yeah. or wherever.
3: Yeah. Um, and the upside is that people from all over the world have been able to access those events. And yeah including people who either, you know, live in the right country but not near enough to a big city or who don't live in a country where we're visiting. So
2: in that respect, it's been great. And you guys have done your um, online read-along of uh, book one, which seems to have been a huge success. And It's been enormous fun. Yeah. You're doing one for Aurora Burning 2, right? Uh, oh, I mean, before book three comes out, yeah, I wouldn't.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's been
3: it's it's been really fun. So for for listeners what we've been doing is we divided the book up into four and we've been taking in turns a week at a time to do the read along and you know each day we we go into our Instagram stories and give give readers a little bit of a behind the scenes on here's a bit of research we did or here's how this chapter came to be and then at the end of the week we run a big Q&A. Uh, and we have saved all of those to our Instagram highlights. So if you missed it, you can go to our, our profiles and and look at them still
2: I think it's such a good idea and such a great example of the amazing ways people have found to kind of make things work yeah in, to
1: work around yeah
2: yeah yeah
3: oh, and we tend to have readers who who, are, who get really invested and I think for us it, like do planning the read-along which we, we've been planning all along we were planning it before any of this happened because we saw it as a way to kind of have some closeness with our readers and to be accessible to them and to show them that as much as they invest in the series, we, we appreciate them for doing it. And, you know, we, we don't want to sort of be up on a hill smiling and waving at them, but, you know, we, we're fans of things too. And we sort of want to interact with them in that way.
1: Yeah. And we literally couldn't do this without them. So no. yeah, we're, we're incredibly grateful for everyone who comes along on the journey with us.
2: Yeah. We would have to get jobs. How <laughs> yeah. would <with> that yeah. <laughs> well I can I think I can confidently say um that all of your readers are just uh, grateful for the stories because they're so great
1: yeah the, the um, reaction the early reactions has been great like the Australian release came out this week um it doesn't release in the UK and the States until next week but the early reactions were getting bombarded with uh, seem to be promising. Everyone, Everyone's yelling at us, of course, because of the way we end <laughs> the book. But, yeah, everyone seems to be liking it too, which is good. Yelling at us in, the, in a nice way, I guess.
2: I think that if you've read it, even if you've only read Aurora Rising and maybe haven't read any of your other books, you should be prepared to to have your emotions, you know, obliterated by a book by <laughs> Amy, but but like, like
3: in a good way though. In a good, we're yeah. not off, You know, you're way. gonna
2: really enjoy it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> sometimes yeah. I do wonder that, like, the, because that is everyone's favorite way to talk about our books is they will destroy you. And I sometimes think I wonder if there are people who are just like, oh, that doesn't sound fun. No, thank you. <laughs> we just never see them.
2: I can't imagine those people. Why would you not want to be obliterated?
0: Why like, just... in the world would people? <laughs> tuned into Game of Thrones week after week. And that was like a show of devastation, pure devastation. So I think we have, it's a bruise we like to poke.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing that really takes me back is that I, I go in every time expecting like that, expecting to be put through an emotional ringer. And I'm still surprised every time by <laughs> like how much you guys can do it. It's masterful. It's another thing, you know, you compared this book um, to Star Wars earlier in the podcast and, like, I don't know, I didn't totally love the way that the last Star Wars movie worked out. I think Did I anyone? I can say that. Yeah. <laughs> and so around about the time that I was coping with that Star Wars movie and then reading Aurora Burning, I was like, this gives you everything that you wanted from that series that you just didn't get like you know it's the Star Wars movie we never got
3: <laughs> well I'm not sure if you're going to get a quote out of us that runs along the of, yeah Star Wars didn't really nail it but we do much better <laughs> it's like okay am- I can say it
1: <laughs> I haven't actually seen the new Star Wars movie so I will take Ooh. your word for it and say thank you very much I'm glad yeah
3: I must it. admit I have I have not seen
2: the, the latest one either well, you, you guys, oh, yeah, you say haven't missed it. I'll say it for you. I'll say it to anyone who's interested. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, we also wanted to ask you guys if you had any reading recommendations for people, A, you know, just things that might be fun to read to get through this time of isolation, but also potentially um, B, things that might be help distract you from the devastating cliffhanger of Aurora (laughs) Penny. so that if you're like (laughs) reeling from that um what might be some some cool recommendations for people oh dear well
3: one that I love uh that is part of a duology and the thing is book one does end with a devastating cliffhanger but book two just came out so you're okay (laughs) uh, is a series by P.M. Freestone uh book one is called uh shadow
1: did we just lose names i think we just lost
0: amy yeah we just Uh, lost amy oh no
1: all right i will i will jump in
0: okay
3: (laughs) all right hang on can you hear me now yeah we got you yes sorry my phone rang let me try that again (laughs) um i thought i had it in airplane mode i did not um, oh, I didn't even
0: know you had to do that with Skype.
3: Uh, well, no, I'm wearing a pair of headphones that are Bluetooth to, I believe, both my phone and my um and my computer. So ah. Bluetooth for the the Bluetooth to the took over to the phone instead. So let me try that again. Uh, <laughs> where was I? Uh, book one is called uh, Shadow Scent, The Darkest Bloom, and book two is called Crown of Smoke. And uh, it's a fantasy duology. It is set in a world full of adventure and and court intrigue and politics and what's incredibly cool about this world is that scent is the foremost of the senses and so perfume is power the language revolves around scent you know the adventure revolves around scent and it is just beautifully written and I love reading stuff that I look at it and I think well I don't know how you did that and I couldn't do that. That's I'm always drawn to books like that. I just thought it was beautifully done. And also it's a kind of an Indiana Jones type adventure for an antidote to a poison. So it's also just a really cool adventure to a really cool world.
2: Oh, my God. That sounds awesome. And did you say both books, it's a duology and both books are out? Yeah. Crown of Smoke
3: is out this week, in fact. And uh, P.M. Freestone, or uh, Peter, uh, is an Australian who's living in Edinburgh at the moment. So... And and in our ideal world, would have been here right now, but instead we we (laughs) shall cheer for the
1: books ourselves. That's a good recommendation.
2: Yeah, that sounds good. Um,
1: Um, I have just finished a book called Axiom's End uh, by an author named Lindsay Ellis. Uh, It's a science fiction novel. It's not actually out yet. It's coming out in August, I think, but I get sent advanced copies because... Um, people who knows people, I guess. Um, so that's <laughs> it's it's adult science fiction, um, but it explores some of the same themes as Illuminate. It's kind of it's it's hard to talk about without getting super spoilery, but it's about a a person on a quest for truth, fighting against government and corporate interests. Uh, so yeah, it it explores some of the same turf that Illuminate did, with a with an adult sci-fi kind of twist to it. Um, And that is a standalone, so you don't have to wait until the next book comes out. And I've just started uh, The Girl in the Stars, which is the new fantasy series from Mark Lawrence. He's the guy who did the Broken Empire series, um, Prince of Thorns. He's one of my favorite fantasy authors, so I'm about a quarter of the way through that. Um, And after that, I am going to be reading a book called The First Sister uh, by a, a new YA author named Lyndon Lewis. Um, that is also a sci-fi book. It comes out in, I think, September this year. But again, I got sent an advanced reader copy. And Lyndon is a super cool person, super talented. So I'm really looking forward to jumping into that one after Girl in the Stars.
2: Ah, oh. I've been circling so, the Girl, in the, girl in, the, in the Stars, like wondering if I should try it. Um, it's good. It's we,
1: really good. It's like Mark is constantly growing as an author. I I. I like that he's an author that takes risks. He, he steps outside his genre and his comfort zone sometimes. Um, I think he's super talented and super smart. So, yeah, it, it's a really good book so far, but I'm only about a quarter of the way through it, like I said. But I'm enjoying it thus far.
2: And for the first book you, you spoke about, all I needed to hear was explores some of the th- same themes as Illuminate, and I'm sold.
1: It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it's also like that Denis Villeneuve movie, Arrival. Have you seen Arrival? Oh, yeah. Heard yeah. It, it's, it's similar in tone to that as well. It's kind of hard to describe. But, yeah, it's a great book. Uh, and Lindsay's a super smart lady. So, yeah, it's very cool.
2: Oh, those are great recommendations, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, those books yeah. aren't out yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they are out soon. Axiom's End is out in August. Girl in the Stars, I think it is out. The Girl in the Stars just came out. And yeah. first sister is out in September.
2: Look, don't feel bad about recommending stuff that's not out yet. I accidentally last week was raving on the podcast about a book which was supposed to come out in June this year, and I did not realise that it had. Oh, been it's been here. pushed. Yeah, so I spent yeah. a good like fifteen minutes talking about this book, and it doesn't come out until twenty twenty
1: one. Yeah, there are a lot of <laughs> yeah, books. Yeah, that's
2: so
1: uh, the end of the year is going to be pretty crowded, I think. But I mean, a yeah. books started pushing. Like the Bond film got pushed a year that was supposed to be out, right? The new Bond film.
2: Yeah. yeah
1: it was. So everything is kind of getting pushed back a little bit. I think our book and one other book. There's like two books coming out from our UK publisher for the next two months, and Aurora Burning is one of them, and there's one other, so they're dropping two titles in two months. That's how fast. so I
3: think it's until yeah. the end of July or something.
1: Oh, it's July! So, wow. I it was June.
3: Yeah. Okay. So it's really. Yeah, a lot of people are moving and it's difficult because on one hand, you know, it is difficult right now because a lot of people will buy their books online, but a lot of book purchases also come from people wandering into bookstores. But at the same Mm. time, a lot of books that are moving are all going to end up crowded together. So I think the problem is no one really knows what the right thing to do is and we're never really going to figure it out because we can't both release our book now and later. So no way to sort of run a
2: like and like experiment.
1: Yeah, it's very unknown territory at the moment.
2: You you can't A-B test something like this, you're correct. <laughs> exactly,
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the I cool think... the cool thing was that in Australia, at least, we got to sign all our copies. So um, you guys, I think you guys have sold out of Aurora Burning Now, right? All the ones we signed for you guys? They Um, sold
2: in record time. It was like so. Australians,
1: for the first time ever, get you know an advantage for being Australian. Usually, we get books (laughs) later and movies later, and we don't get all the bells and whistles, but yeah, at least you guys get to get signed editions, even though we don't get to tour.
2: Silver linings, Australia. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I, I mean, I could happily keep talking to you guys for hours and hours, but um. I think we we're we've gone a bit over time. Um, so Hard
3: to imagine how that happened.
2: <laughs> there are two of us, yeah, that we speak more. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But I mean, thank you so much for talking to us today about this book. We we love it so much. I'm very glad that it's come out and and didn't get delayed.
0: Yeah. um yeah so are we, we, we
2: <laughs>
3: well the thing is you live with a book for such a long time and then when it comes out it's exciting to get to share it with the readers so we were, we were ready for this moment we're glad it's happening
2: and I mean before before we let you go you both have other books coming out this year Did you, could we just do, do a quick like what's coming up next for both of you <laughs> not that, yeah. I mean I'm sure everyone's aware but I'd still like to hear about the books I don't know there's <laughs> a
3: lot of people might miss one. Uh, So my next book after this is Battleborn, which is book three in my Elementals trilogy. So uh, that one is for younger readers, sort of, look, in theory, eight to twelves, but I am hearing from a lot of adults who are reading it. So if you are into uh, fantasy, magical adventures, uh, a magical world sort of loosely inspired by Iceland with volcanoes, snow, shape-shifting, dragons, wolves, twins, school feasts, then we won't have the series for you. (laughs) Uh, So Battleborn is coming out in, yeah, June. And then in September I have the first in a new series with uh, my other co-author, Megan Spooner, Uh, and that one is called The Other Side of the Sky. And it is about a prince who falls from a science fiction city in the sky and lands in a world below that he didn't know existed, that's ruled by magic and prophecy. And there he meets uh, the living incarnation of their goddess. And the two of them very quickly fall for each other, but are absolutely not allowed to touch.
2: Oh, oh
0: my God. <laughs> very Pushing Daisies.
3: It, 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 that is not a coincidence. Meg and I are <laughs> big Pushing Daisies fans.
2: <laughs> oh, that
1: sounds so good. And the cover is amazing.
3: The cover is, having had literally nothing to do with it, they just brought it to me and said, hey, what do you think? The cover is one of the best covers I've ever seen in my life. It is amazing.
2: It really yeah. is stunning. That that gorgeous sky.
3: Oh. Yeah. It's beautifully retro. It feels like all the, the fantasy that I grew up reading. Yeah, yeah. Mm, that's
0: fun.
1: Yeah. Um, and I have in June, so one month from now, I have the third part of my Life Like trilogy dropping, so that's the the finale finale I beg your pardon of the trilogy uh so that one is kind of a a cyberpunk-esque post-apocalyptic science fiction story um with cyborgs and robots and bio-engineered organisms and it's kind of a yeah it's it's the book three so that's the book where I get to burn everything down which is always the most fun for me (laughs) so that one one comes out uh, at the start of June
3: and what is it called Mr Christoph?
1: It's called True Life.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Amy.
1: I didn't even say the name.
0: No, I'm full service
1: co-author. <laughs> yes, it's called True Life. Uh, and that is out, I believe, in Australia. It'll be out at the end of May. Uh, and in the States, it's June 5th or 6th.
2: I am so excited for all three of those books. Um, mm-hmm. I, like, oh, my, I just can't wait. I'm so, I love, I love a a finally finale. <laughs> I always love finally <laughs> finale. <laughs> but yeah, I'm incredibly keen for this one. And um, yeah, and look, I always love ev- anything both of you guys write together or separately or with other people. Um, I always know that anything that has either of you attached to it is going to be amazing. Well, thanks, mate.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a huge compliment. Thank you. Yeah, it means
1: a lot. Mm, cool.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast guys it's been so much fun
1: yeah thank you for having us it is always back.
0: (laughs) and if you're listening along at home you can order your copy of aurora burning uh, from booktopia.com.au thanks for listening
2: thank you for listening to the booktopia podcast channel don't forget you can subscribe to us on soundcloud and itunes for free